are taken from Matthew 28, verses 1 to 10. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven, came and rolled back the stone and actually sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has been raised from the dead. And indeed, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy, and they ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them and said, Greetings! And they came to him. They took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Hear the word of the Lord. Uh, I think we all just need to stand up and stretch. So just stand up, give yourselves a little bit, stretch across the shoulders, and make sure you know the name of the person, the people sitting either side of you. You've got 30 seconds. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, if, they, if they didn't invite you to lunch, make sure you invite them to lunch after the, after the service. On Friday, we considered Jesus being killed, being crucified. Uh, and it was a terrible story. A really awful and horrid thing to happen to anybody. But even more repugnant, even more hideous, because it happened to Jesus. Jesus was this man of great kindness who put all his power to use for the least in the world. So why kill him? Why do that to anybody? Why do that to Jesus? And the Bible's answer to this is that This is what human beings do to God. And it's always been this way. God gave human beings a garden of delights full of beauty, verdancy. And then human beings said no to God. 
They wanted something else. They wanted to experience what this thing called evil really was. They rejected what God gave. And of course, that's rejecting the one who gives it, God himself. And so it just happened over and over and over again. You know, God called Abraham and said, I'm going to start again with your family to be a sign of wholeness in the broken world. But Abraham's family fell into manipulating each other, lying and tricking and seeking to control their own fate. And they did their worst to each other. It was a rejection of God because he had promised to take care of everything. All they had to do was trust him. But they did not trust. They rejected God's direction and God himself. And it just happened over and over. David rejected his God by killing his enemies instead of seeking forgiveness and reconciliation. The people of God turned to other gods when the world stage got scary. The leaders of God's people turned to controlling the crowd when they felt threatened. And in the end, the crucifixion of Jesus is the culmination of a long story of a world going dark. When Jesus came into the world, God came as close to us as he could possibly come with exactly the message we needed of reconciliation with God. And it was just at that moment that we did our worst. When Jesus came with God's kindness to all, it wasn't liked or accepted. It was despised. It was thought to be dangerous. When Jesus came and dined with essentially corrupt local politicians, well, he was just thought to be too compromised. When Jesus came and called out religious hypocrisy, he was thought to be a disturber of the peace. Few noticed the welcome of God, the desire of God for all to be helped, the heart of God opened up to the world. But they felt something that they didn't like, just an implicit condemnation of their way of life. That's all. And they hated it. They did violence to the one who showed them welcome and spoke of that reconciliation and made them feel accused. It was an attempt to shut God away. To say, leave me alone. You have your world, I'll have my world, and that will be enough. But the amazing thing about the crucifixion is that it shows two realities at once, or rather it shows reality, which is at least two things at once. At the same time it showed us what we do to God, what we think about God, it also shows us what happens to us when we say no to God. We experience pain and shame. It shows us what it looks like to be separated from God. What is the consequence of shutting God away except to die? For God is the giver of life and the sustainer of life. So to say no to God is to say no to life itself. The resurrection is the counterpart to the crucifixion. And it answers the question, what will God do now 
that human beings have done their worst to God? What will God do now that at its most extreme, human beings have said no? Well, the answer is that God defeats death. If in the garden, humanity rejected God by wanting to taste the way of evil, they were cast out of paradise, well, they were not destroyed. They were sustained. God clothed them in their nakedness and the deceiver was condemned. God preserved and sustained life in the midst of a death choice. You know, just like when Abraham's family rejected God, God wrestled with them until they could see he was going to take care of them. So when David chose for violence, he still had the invitation to come and see intimate life with God. Again and again, God wants to offer life in the midst of human beings' worst choices over and over. It was always the story and it was proved to us in the resurrection of Jesus that God is out to defeat death. But this moment is more than just more of the same. It's not just another story to add to others of God offering life in the midst of death. This one shows us how it is that death will be defeated at last, never to come back. It shows us that God not only defeats a death that is thematic, figurative, conceptual, but also literal. The resurrection for all people will come at the end of the age, when, like Jesus, all the dead will be raised, but unlike Jesus, we will be subject to judgment. Death will be judged and gotten rid of once for all. It will be condemned, and all those who live by the death of saying no to God. It has always been the case that this message has been for everyone. This is not just a story about Bible characters. Mary and Mary are told to tell the disciples, the disciples are told to tell everyone, and we are here today because that kept happening. From Jerusalem to Melbourne to Benin, Cambodia. Not only a story of what happened to Jesus, but an invitation to come into a newly came death. Now that story of what the world does to God and God overcoming that, is the best offer you will ever get. Try and make me a better offer. Try write for me a better story. You've offended God by choosing for death type choices. I think we can all admit that we've made poor choices to say the least. And if we can admit that the world suffers evil through the cumulative terrible choices that human beings make, and the evening news can admit that. Well, what other realistic story about our lives can there possibly be that is nearly as good, nearly as beautiful, nearly as wonderful as this story that God offers you life after you've chosen for death? Because someone might offer a kind of spiritualized story, right? But this is a better one than that. There's a common, I don't know, myth, let's call it, that 
What Christians really believe is that you'll die and you'll become some kind of spirit and you'll go into a spiritual place where God lives and, uh, and that's the whole story, you know, that's, that's essentially it. But in this story, it's far better than that. The Marys come to Jesus, I noticed that it didn't happen when we enacted it, but they come to Jesus and take hold of his feet. They touch him. Jesus is not a ghost. And the good news, the really great thing about this story is that we won't be ghosts, but there will be a resurrection to a more substantial life and a more substantial world. You might try to say there's a better story that really is just making us feel better because this is an uncomfortable story if we have to admit that we've offended God. But this story is far beyond sentimentality. It's a better story. The Marys are given a task. They are confronted with frightening things. They are sent out on the way. It does not placate their emotions. It rises them significantly. And that is what this story is. A true engagement with life. It is not here to make you feel better. And it is better because of that. A better story that deals with us as we are and gives us a task and much to grapple with. No, this is the best story. Resurrection as it is found in Scripture. Of the world shutting God out, saying no to God, trying, and of being offered life after death and tasting that life now, even as you live in this world, as we await a happily ever after. The reason that this story is the best possible human story is that only in this story can we be sure that your worst is not enough. Your worst is not enough for you to tire God out and make God give up. To throw up his hands and say, I'm done with you. Never. When the world did its worst, God offered life. Your worst is not enough to make God stop loving you. Your worst is not enough to make your rescue impossible. Your worst is not enough for God to be prevented from bringing life to this world. Because you aren't a supervillain. You're not the ultimate bad guy that can finally frustrate the good God and overcome him. You are not stronger than God's goodness. So what I want to say is that God will win. But very strangely, that is actually up to you. The true weakness of God is in giving us freedom. God is so powerful. He can reverse death for the whole creation. But he can only save you if you accept God's help. He won't stop you choosing death, today or ever. What God has done is to make your escape from a death-determined life possible. And the difference between living by death without God and living in resurrection life with God is it's incalculable, it's unquantifiable. It's as different 
as a living thing is from a dead thing. So if you're not a Christian right now, then become one. Believe the message of these two Marys running and saying, we have seen the Lord. Come with us. You know, this is a pretty excellent church, but it's full of wonderful and ordinary people. We're not special. Come with us. Come figure it out with us as we walk on the road where Jesus is promised to be. Those two Marys set out in faith, already believing. Only then did they meet Jesus on the way. The worst of your life so far is not enough to deter God's interest in you. He made you, he loves you, and wants you to know him. So come and believe the good news. And if you are a Christian, then do as these women have done. And go with the message of Jesus risen. Set out on that road of announcing his life. And you will encounter him to bring you life again and again through the long years of discipleship. If you're a Christian and you've heard many Easter Day sermons, wake up again to this story. This story telling you that the worst of your sloth to this good news is still not enough to defeat God's interest in you knowing him very deeply and intimately. Just because you don't know what that looks like, that doesn't mean that isn't a real offer with a really wonderful life to be lived. Your worst will never be enough. And we call this good news. Good news of the God who loves too greatly for you to win. Let's pray. Almighty God, we are grateful to you that you make this offer to us. And we pray that you would be gentle with our tender hearts. And we pray that we might come to know the life you promise as we wait for this new world that we long for. And we pray that you would come soon, Lord Jesus. That all that is wrong in the world would finally finish. And all that is best about life would go on forever.